Welcome to Storyhouse. I'm Barry Chandler. This is the weekly brand and digital show for CEOs, CMOs, and business owners. I'm here with my co-host, Brad Sarconi. Today is chapter number 11, which is how to prevent your brand from being a secret. And this is a very important topic. It's something I'm sure you'll all uh, relate to. Many of us build businesses, work with businesses who assume that because they're surrounded by people who understand their brand, who talk about their brand daily from morning until night, that their customers and potential customers understand everything that needs to be understood about their business and brand. What we're going to discuss today are the three D's of branding that will prevent your brand from becoming that secret. So Brad, can you elaborate on what those or give us an overview on what those three D's are? Yeah, and and even before I do that, uh, to your point, Barry, I think it's um, important to note that this could be for a uh, half a million dollar business, as as we're probably assuming this idea of small business, a million dollar business. It could be for a two hundred and fifty million dollar business uh, who has a portfolio of products and their brands are still a secret. But the three D's of um, you know not you know making sure that that is not. Uh, your brand is not kept a, a secret, it, is this idea, or, or three simple ideas, um, you know, called depth, duration, and distribution. And we keep these in mind when we build and activate brands. We always talk around the office about what's the depth, what's the duration, and what's the distribution of, of your unique selling proposition or the brand itself. And by depth, you know, what we're talking about, if we start with the first one, what we're talking about is the connection um, in a deep way emotionally to uh, the consumer or the customer. So oftentimes it feels like brands want to stick their toe in the water. And if you're going to make a splash, make it deep. Why? It makes a stronger impression. And it goes straight for the heart. We always say suspend the head so you can capture the heart or defy the head so you give deference to the heart. Emotionally, if we connect with depth in a brand, we begin to extend um, feelings about that brand beyond, beyond just the product service itself. I think we're going to have a, a, um, a Storyhouse podcast on this subject later that you and I spoke about the other day in the in, in the office, but the idea is to create these deep, this, these depthful um, impressions that begin to seal trust faster. And don't be afraid of depth. And in our in our previous podcast, chapter number eight, we talked about this uh, formula for building a brand, building an exceptional brand, be better, best. And the first piece of that, the B. BE, is brand expression. And so the depthfulness starts with the expression. Yeah, that, that, that's also a great point. And the more emotive that expression can be, um, the better. Because, again, we're trying to capture the heart. We're not trying to capture the mind, right? Um, the rational man is not um, necessarily the one who will pay a lot more for a device that functions the same. Hundreds of thousands of dollars more, whether it's a home or a car. A home gives you shelter, there's one at a hundred thousand. There's one at a million. A rational man, only a rational man, buys one at a hundred thousand. So stop marketing rationally. Exactly, and allow depth to push you to the irrational. You know, if you think about a single home on a single drive with a large gate in front of it, well, the gate doesn't really 
protect anything, right? We all know this when we go by, but it's a sense of emotional prestige. And look what I have. Your scrawny hand can't go through the, um, the ironclad railings of my gate. Well, the home builder knew what trigger he was pushing in that customer intent of a buyer. So they didn't, um, go, you know, um, um, at a half force, they went at full force. I think you just got done riding the Pelotonia, um, um, uh, 103 miles. Uh, congratulations on Thank that, you. by the way. Um, but look what that brand did. It starts deep, it goes deep and it ends deep. You know, every pedal, every cyclist there represents life beyond cancer. Right. So they probably didn't start, you know, you know, even the turn Pelotonia, you know, all the thought that went into developing that brand, that's what we call a deep, interrelated emotional relationship, interrelated emotional relationships. How do you find those faster? I don't care if it's a Swiffer broom, a custom home builder or Pelotonia go deep first. Right, so Pelotonia is a great example, and it's if for those of you who haven't heard of Pelotonia, it's a a grassroots uh, bicycle event that started in Columbus, Ohio, seven years ago, with one goal to end cancer. And, and Columbus is fortunate to have to be home to one of the leading cancer research centers in America, the the James Cancer Research Center. And every dollar raised from Pelotonia goes directly to Pelotonia. There are no administration costs. They're all funded by sponsors or by uh, corporate sponsors. So over the last seven years, they've raised $70 million right. that have allowed the uh, organization to fund 100 new physicians and great research. That's and research, place. right, right. So the, the point is that throughout all of Pelotonia's branding and their opening ceremony, there's rarely the mention of a bicycle. Why? Because... The bicycle is just the means to an end. It's a symbol. The bicycle is, 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 is the tactic that's going to get us our strategy, right, and get us our goal, which is ultimately to, to end cancer. And so there's a very depthful relationship that that brand has with us. And when we learn about how people with stage 3 brain cancer are going to ride 100 miles, you know, that's, that's a very powerful uh, emotion that triggers something in us, as it should. And so what we're saying with a brand is how do you do something similar? How do you avoid being a literal brand? Yes, and and you start off by I think what the word the phrase you used earlier I, I really like uh, pushing people to be irrational, and you know you hear the phrase all the time dig deep in sports, you hear it in giving dig dig deep in your pocket pockets. I guess what we're saying is dig deep in your brand, and the reason we have these three Ds is we ask ourselves and our team members when we take on a brand, can the brand be deep? Can its positions can its position be deep? If it cannot, it is our job to create a more elevated platform when we talk about brand system design that allows us to do what? Create depth in there. So you pull away from the product into the lifestyle and the emotive behavior between what you and I always talk about, that idea of human habitat and brand intention. How do we intersect those? Begin with depth first. I mean, Hallmark has built an entire calendarized business around that idea. And you've mentioned before a couple of points that I thought were very interesting that, that only dawned on me once you told me, and, and I've, I've, I've seen it so many times since, but a brand that talks about their difference is not, doesn't have a difference. Or a brand that talks about a, maybe a restaurant chain that says how delicious their food is, that's not depthful. No. That's straight to the product. 
right. straight to the product. So right, we're, right. what we're saying is to go deep, you have to go away from the product. You have to avoid literal, literal marketing and you have to avoid rational thought and instead, like you said, aim for the heart and not the mind. That's right. And, and, and lastly, um, in my home, I have retail signage displayed in, in my home that personifies emotions. And the reason I do that is we're kind of making fun of retailers' inability to sometimes go deep. So instead of selling socks, what happens if we were selling souls? Instead of selling pizzas, what happens if we were selling consciousness? So, you know, the idea of couponing for consciousness is a better idea than a coupon for buy one pizza, get one. Um, the idea of, you know, buy, buy an apparel and get 50% off your next piece of merchandise, um, while we all know that functionally works, and I'm not saying to give those things up, of course you do those things, but what can you add to that to make that more resilient That's great. in the heart of the customer? Well, you've been in my place and you've seen that I'll say... Um, you know, uh, on sale today, an act of courage, right? Right. So that is creating in the consumer's mind. Gosh, I, I guess, I guess I could buy that. I could buy that up from my own, you know, being. So this idea of just being depthful, and of course, we're just playing around with retail in, in those moments. But but the idea of just pushing the envelope. And, and we want, if you think about what a brand is trying to do, you talk about this this notion of the big home with the with the small little gate at the front. It's all about positioning, right? And it's about uh, desire, aspiration. Mm-hmm. Stella Artois, the, 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 the Belgian, is it Belgian or is it, I think it's a Belgian beer. Stella is a French beer. Uh, it was owned by InBev. Uh, Stella Artois became the biggest selling imported beer in the UK in the early part of, of the 2000s based on an ad campaign that they ran where they created these, these, art, these artful uh, TV commercials that were entirely in French. And they ran them in England. And they didn't, there was no English in them whatsoever. Right, no translation. And Stella uh, was a little bit more expensive than other beers. It was like 50 pence more than another pint. So it was considered a kind of a, I guess, a, a higher-end beer, higher-end lager. Premium. A premium lager that didn't have as high sales as cheaper, cheaper beers. So this commercial had classical music. It had all French, uh, French uh, language throughout and following the commercials, sales of Stella went through the roof. And when consumers were polled and asked about these ads, they had no idea what they meant. They couldn't tell you what was taking place in the advert. doesn't matter. They felt it. They felt smarter. Right. And what they wanted to do was, by buying Stella, say, I got that ad. Wasn't that good? Right. You I, didn't. Yeah, I did. You didn't. I got that. Right. And so they, think of that. That's not rational. That's not literal. That's making somebody... That's that's making somebody feel like a better version of themselves. Yes, which is an unbelievable brand achievement. And that was a very depthful, daring, I would say, if there's a fourth D, a depthful and daring move. That's right. <clears throat> which so you you mentioned with with and to close off this point on on depth that depth shouldn't be confu- confused with complexity, and that the simple simple and, and more provocative ideas can be the most profound ideas. Absolutely, and, you know, and Stella, um, and we'll talk about this more in duration and distribution, Stella's product is in a gold rim goblet. Yes, yes. yes. And even though major chains carry it, as an American, when it came over here, I would go in and bust major chains for not uh, um, serving me a Stella in a a gold-lipped rim. Right. 
Why? Because to me, um, it was a, p- a pair of new Pumas without a shoebox. Right. Right. I don't want to get that suede dusty. So it was all about presentation. But even in their presentation, they created depth from, from your point about marketing and commercials to presentation. So the first D of avoiding your brand being a secret is depth. Number two is duration. So let's talk a little bit about how to remain and stay as a brand. Yeah, and, and, and by duration, again, when we consider brands, um, we're not just talking about single episodes. Um, so this could either be many multi, multi, um, uh, multiple ex- episodes or it can be a long engagement um, but the idea is the longer that a brand remains by the customer's side, the greater the likelihood that it shares in the, in the cultivating of his or, her, his or her lifestyle. So the, so the idea here is not just to participate in one's lifestyle, but to influence and inform the lifestyle by being you know, by having a longer duration and being by the customer or consumer's side. So it could be, think about it like this, it could be at a business's side in that we need this vendor because they supply X. We've always done this historically and we want to continue to do it. Or it could be uh, retail products such as Tiffany, Rolex, you know, Rolex or Ray-Bans. Uh, these are products that not only are complement the consumer's choice of lifestyle, but we would argue that these brands, because of their duration, also influence and inform the lifestyle and even and even change it for those um, consumers that interact. Now, duration sounds great, and I think every brand would love to have duration, but what are, what are you saying is, how do you, how do you get that duration? Is it because of the depth? Is it because of uh, distribution? I mean, where does, you can't just have duration. Right, because right. then no brand would fail, right? Right, that's right. So um, this is the idea of the, the you know the three Ds is the idea of of a, of a triple threat. So all of these work together. So depthful duration, right, is is what we're is what we're arguing for. And and these are actually said in order, by the way, as we talk through these. It's important to know that it's depth, duration, distribution. Um, obviously, having ubiquitous distribution without any duration um, or any depth so that's transactional would would not be something that we would say builds equity for a brand so um, duration when it has depth and distribution is the uh, energized side of the brand but I guess what we're talking about is positioning that brand in a way that excites human purchase intentions faster um, or that there is this feeling of, you know, what we call indispensability. So I'm going to go do this today. This brand needs to be by my side because I've selected it. So that's, so you use the example of Ray-Bans, which is a great example. Ray-Bans is the brand, but the sub-brands are what has kept its duration. So the, the, the fact that aviators have iterated over the years, you can still get the original aviators, but they've come out with a whole line, obviously, of other sunglasses and products and, and, and clothing and all kinds of brand extensions that's helped them with their, it's helped them stick around. Yes. So what we're saying is we're looking, duration is about relevance and, and a, a value today that may change from the value tomorrow because it iterates with demand and 
that day's relevance. That's right. That's right. So really what we're talking about when we say duration is, you know, habitual perpetuation. I mean, Ray-Ban didn't have to uh, reinvent itself, but it already knew that it has a base of people who love that brand next to it um, inside their lifestyle. And so they were smart enough to create a dynamic, relevant brand with new inventions, or I should say new innovations about its product or feature set um, or stylings that um, breadcrumbed the idea of where that consumer was going so that when the consumer arrived there, Ray-Ban was already there as it had been in the past. So innovation obviously is key for a brand's success. That comes from understanding the customer very well. This comes from the whole idea of brand anthropology, understanding who you are, where you're going, and and, and trying to intersect where your customer is going and help them get there faster. Uh, I think Ray-Ban exudes that um, that confidence of a brand because they're able to do that and they're able to be there for such a long period of time. So, yeah, I, I get the point that duration is not doesn't ha- duration is designed it doesn't happen it's designed that's right that's right and, and, and it's something that is a daily lifestyle that is reinforced over m- many many years i mean ultimately we could ask ourselves can a brand become a meme or a legacy a legacy if the answer is sure it can i mean you can even think of commoditized products like home repair um if those touches in home repair or construction are something that is perpetuated because of this idea of depth and duration um, by the way that brand is presented to you, the likelihood of you perpetuating that brand in the future is greater. Um, so so, so dura- you know, duration does a wonderful job of creating endurance inside the brand um, and this idea of a comfortable pre- predictability for the future for future engagements between the customer and the brand. So first depth, second duration. Third is distribution. So let's talk about if retail is location, 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 then brand needs distribution, distribution, distribution. Right, right, exactly. And, and we, um, we, we learned this um, by getting trapped by it. So uh, when we first you know, started the agency uh, a, a while back, we had many great brands come to us, call us, or um, you know, pitch to us these wonderful products. Products that I have to say, on the surface, look that they had a strong differentiated portfolio. They understand a new growth. They understood a new growth platform. They had duration to them. In other words, the product could become a legacy, perpetuating product. The product could show endurance, and they had depth to them. It was embedded emotionally in the consumer. Our question became, so what? If you can't get it and you can't find it, right, then you can't have it. So it does no good for the brand and it does no good for the consumer. Um, obviously, there is the, the ability to create through limited distribution this idea of a mystique. You just talked about Stella breaking, say, um, in Europe and then coming to the States. Of course, this idea of importing something um, from someplace else does create demand, and that's why you see it all the time. Even Chrysler says that you know their cars are now imported from Detroit. This idea of D- Detroit being this 
sovereign legacy nation of great auto building, which I think it is, uh, and this idea of the underdog. Um, but if you can't find that car at any dealerships, it doesn't matter. So a brand without distribution is a secret. It is a secret. It may even become a frustrated secret. Because what happens if you have pitched wonderful depth that has an emotional connection, if people can distill that down in, into, a, into a duration over the lifestyle uh, that they want to leave, an informed, influenced lifestyle that they want to be influenced by, but they can't get it. Uh, one thing you don't want to do is begin to create resentment because though you've built this wonderful brand, you can't do the, the idea of cost of entry, which is get it, you know, get it down the, the, you know, the, the, the retail chain to an end cap where someone can actually select it and buy it. So we've used that analogy a lot of there's many a poor craftsman buried in the graveyard his his uh, his legacy was he was able to build a a beautiful cupboard or a dresser uh, in his workshop in the back of his house, but nobody ever saw it. Right, and this master craftsman was the best at, at, at turning a piece of wood, but unfortunately he didn't have distribution. And his wife or his family were the only ones who got to experience his beautiful craftsmanship. Right. So he was a rock star that wrote songs for other rock stars. Right. That cabinet maker, that wood, that, that wood, that uh, carver, if you will. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> right, right. So um, examples of this are um, surfing, um, golf, uh, fencing. I'm talking about the sport of fencing. These all exhibit geographic and uh, climatic limitations towards activation and engagement. Um, we have clients come into town all the time and they'll, they have surf gear on. I love the look of surf gear, but I probably functionally won't buy it, right? Because you're in Ohio? <laughs> because it does me no good here. No surf here. Ohio? No surf Ohio. Right, right. Charlie, don't surf in Columbus. Um, so the idea is when you're building depth and duration, you have to think about distribution because it, it, it doesn't make any, any sense um, to go overboard in depth and duration without understanding the limitations of time of distribution. Now obviously, nobody designed surfing, right? And it's, I guess these are categorical references. In this case, these are categorical, yes. Where, yeah, they've developed their own subcultures, which, which brands spun out of there and have a very uh, targeted and, and focused niche. Uh, but but yeah, I see that I see the point of of distribution and and of limited limited availability. Yeah, some things aren't available to everybody. And that's okay. But with but certain brands, if even if your audience is small, you have to be able to reach that small audience through your distribution. Or you that's exactly right. Or you engage deeper in what we just said in depth and duration, so that you can increase distribution. This is what golf has done, right? I mean, how, how are you going to bring, you know, golf to a city? Well, you know, the PGA has pushed hard on doing just that, bringing golf to those who had no access to a golf course with all kinds of activations to excite and educate people to increase the demand for golf uh, to all the courses that are built, but more importantly, to a demographic that, frankly, is isolated. And it doesn't hurt in the last five years or ten years. The the world's number one golfers have been in their twenties or and and aspirational for young kids. Yep. Uh, so that that certainly helps. Yeah, golf hipsters. That's right. 
Uh, and, you know, a great example of this for distribution, the opposite of this, uh, this saying barriers, would be McDonald's or Subway. I mean, talk about distribution. Uh, they understand that distribution is king to not keeping the brand a secret. So even if you are a small emerging brand or you are a niche brand, say you're only doing um, injection molding for um, particular products, you still want to make sure in the channels that you can affect that you dominate those channels and demographics, that, that demographic with your distribution. So there's some great points. So three the three D's of preventing your brand from becoming a secret or from being a secret, depth, duration, and distribution. So this has been another great chapter of Storyhouse. This is chapter number 11. Uh, if you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, and I know many of you do, and, and reach out to us, uh, please go to iTunes and review Storyhouse. Please give us a rating. If there are any questions you would like us to answer or address in our shows, please send an email to um, to, to Barry, uh, me, or, or Brad. Details you can find how to contact us are on storyhouse.co. As always, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to our next chapter uh, next week. Oh, 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 oh,